thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Just so glad we get to be here today. We um we talked as a staff uh, as late as last night, just going, hey, what do we do? We we want to make sure everybody stays safe. We got a lot of church members who were behind flooded streets in different areas, but so grateful that we we get to worship together. We got Pastor Justin here, some other folks and other staff from other churches. We just want to say welcome. We're honored to have you visitors from other churches uh, that your church maybe didn't meet this morning. We're glad to have you this Sunday, but we send you back out into your church next Sunday uh, to love on your church and to be involved in all that God's doing doing in our sister churches. I always tell folks who visit, um, Connect Church is not the best church. It's not the only church in the area, but we just pray that God would be honored and glorified through his church. And if you're looking for a church home, we'd love for you to make Connect Church your church home. But if it's not for you, some of y'all are like, the, the, the smoke was a little thick, the music a little loud. Preacher, a little too chubby, right? You, you go through those things, you say, I just don't know if this church is for me. Here's the deal. We would count it a great honor to, to lock arms with you and introduce you to some incredible churches in our community that might fit your family that you can serve at. Uh, and so we're just so grateful that you are here this morning. We've been, uh, I just, I love I love memes. Y'all know what a meme is, right? It's pictures with somebody put, I just found a few of them um, that I wanted to share with you from our rainy season here in Sevierville. I love this, but this is not really funny. I'm gonna tell you the funny joke. It just says, is it just me or have we had a lot of rain? And he's looking at a fish. So yesterday I called my mom. Mom, where are you at? Raise your hand, sober and everything. Here we go. I called mama yesterday. I said, mama, how you doing? She has a river near her house. I said, mom, how you doing? All the flooding. And I said, (laughs) It's just stupid. But I said, mom, how are you doing? She said, I'm just out walking my fish. And I went, and literally she laughed for the next 10 minutes at her own joke. Um, And I saw this meme last night I thought of you. Anyway, I hope that went well. (laughs) Uh, I love this one. Noah called, he picks us up in 10 minutes. I'm sure some of y'all felt like that. Um, well, Tennessee Walgreens, you know, lifeguard on duty. Um, that's, that's good. Uh, I love, this is my favorite. Whoever prayed for rain, please pray for my bank account, <laughs> right? I mean, if that was you, please, um, above all else, would you pray for that? <laughs> um, but anyway, we, uh, we're grateful you survived the flood and things are going, we've been in an incredible series called We Are Connect Church. We're 22 weeks old today. And as a team, we got together and thought it was very important and foundational for our church to just start asking the question, Why? Why is it that we do this? Why is it that we do that? Why, when we come together, why is it so important? So in week one, we ask the question, why church? Why church in hopes to do this? As we ask why, it's our hope that as we answer the why behind what we do, to excite and to encourage people to ask, how can I be involved in what God's doing in the life of this church? And so week one, we ask why church? Why gather together? Why assemble ourselves together week in and week out? And here's what we begin to find out through scripture. In Hebrews chapter 10, and I love this passage, the author of Hebrews says this, that we are not to give up meeting together, but all the more encouraging one, one another, all the more as you see the day is drawing near. It's this idea as this author of Hebrews is writing to a group of people who converted from Judaism to Christianity and because of so their community, even their own families are ostracizing them or casting them out. And we found that in large numbers, these believers were going back to Judaism. 
the author of Hebrews writes to him and says, hey, let's not, let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but all the more be encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day is drawing near. And here's what I'm convinced. I'm convinced of this truth, that Jesus Christ is coming back and I can't wait. But here's what I'm also convinced of, that there are enough people in this world who've not heard about his first coming that you and I ought to be busy enough tell them about the God who came in the flesh, born of a manger, died on a cross and rose again. And that's what we ought to be about as a church, telling people all about the first coming of Jesus as we eagerly anticipate his second coming. But why is it that we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together? Why gather together? And here's one of the ways that we framed up this conversation a couple of weeks ago. You ready? That God created us from community. God created us for community. And God has saved us to community that's in Jesus Christ. That's the teaching like passages like Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25 teach us. But we ask this question in week number two. Is that all that God wants for us? It's just to show up. Just to go through the motion, does God desire anything else? And we came to this conclusion that when it comes to save people, save people serve people. What does that mean? It means you and I roll up our sleeves and we get our hands dirty and messy in the lives of one another in order to point people to Jesus and in order to see Jesus make people whole, to take brokenness and to bring healing, to take hopelessness and to interject in the only way that Jesus can hope to pierce great darkness in the lives of people with the light of his gospel. And here's the truth of the matter, that save people, serve people. And week number three, we ask this question, why sing? Why, why is it that we've already devoted so many minutes of our service to singing? We're gonna close in a song today. Now, why do we do it? What's the reason behind even this idea of singing? And here's what we uncovered through scripture and passages like Colossians chapter 3, 16 and 17. That worship is not just a moment but it's a mosaic of moments. It's so important, there's so many acts of worship in a believer's life day in and day out. But one important act that we celebrate here together corporately is singing. It's not just a moment, but worship is a mosaic of moments. But here's something we draw from this idea of singing together. And I jotted this down a few weeks ago. There's something whereby which the character of God can be revealed, the doctrine of God can be reinforced, and the joy of Jesus reiterated, all while the child of God rejoices. And all this can be found in singing, Colossians 3 teaches us. And so we sing and we make much of Jesus. The past two weeks, we've been in a, just a really good study of this book, the Bible. We've asked the question, why this book? Now, on day number one of, of this Bible part of our We Are Connect Church, what we talked about the greatest apologetic of the word of God, and that is this, that Jesus' resurrection is a reality. It's undeniable. And if Jesus' resurrection is undeniable, being the greatest proof and the greatest miracle found in the word of God, then that means this book that you and I read is very reliable. It's reality and it's truth. And we uncovered that apologetic a little bit. And then last week we talked about how did all 66 of these books get here? What's the canonization process? Not, not a canon, a weapon of war, but the process by which these 66 books recognized together 
and how God, God inspired them and brought them to be. And we've had some pretty good studies. And today is going to be a lot of the practicality of that. Here's what we understand of God's word. The Bible is a compilation of 66 different books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament books, written over a period of over 1,500 years by more than 40 different authors from spanning over 14 countries and three separate continents. Listen to this about these authors. We have shepherds and fishermen, soldiers and kings and governors, and they came from different backgrounds, different times in history, different cultures. And here's the truth of God's words. You ready? This is so good. These books comprise the unified, inspired, infallible, the incredible word and the story of God. And this is why this book, that's why this book and we've spent some incredible time together looking. I love this quote from um, Charles Spurgeon. He says, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and it'll defend itself. And so you know what we do? We come together and we gather together to better understand the miracle of the Bible so we can, we can let it loose. We can unleash it in our lives, in the lives of our family, in the lives of our community, and in the lives of the world. But here's the question this morning we jump into in our We Are Connect Church series. Is Sunday all the time that you and I need to engage in the word of God, in praying and in fellowshipping with the Lord? I've heard this oftentimes from people that might leave their church. And one of the criticisms I hear more than any other validating such a move is this, I'm just not being fed. Have you ever heard somebody say that? I'm going to church and I'm just not being fed. Now listen, I wanna say this, that's a, that's a valid criticism at times. It's a valid criticism. If people aren't preaching the word of God, how are you being fed? But I also believe this. I also think that at other times, it's our own fault that we're starving spiritually. And I want to uncover that a little bit today. As a pastor, hear me, I must preach the word of God and feed his people spiritually. Our connect groups, our small groups that meet throughout the week are designed to feed God's people the very word of God. But if all we feast on when it comes to the word of God is on Sundays, hear me church, or in connect groups, then we will starve to death spiritually the rest of the week. If this is all you're getting, man, you're dying. You're starving to death throughout the rest of the week. And here's what we find spiritually. If all we do is look at his word and pray in fellowship with him on Sunday mornings, spiritually we're malnourished. Now jotted this down. Many people long to feast on the word of God, but choose to live in famine spiritually day in and day out. You see, the church was never designed to be the sole source for feeding you spiritually. Here's my hope, and here's my prayer as a pastor for my life, for my wife's life, for my kids' life, and, and for your lives. That we've been feasting on God all week, and you come ready, fork and spoon in hand, ready for the dessert on Sunday as we gather together to make much of Jesus. How much different would our churches look how much different the sensing of the very spirit of God moving in us if we've been feasting on him all week and we come together collectively, fork and spoon in hand, and just enjoy the dessert that's Jesus and making much of him together. That's my prayer. But Pastor Anthony, wait a second. Isn't it your job to feed me? Isn't that why I come to church? Isn't that why I engage in generosity and giving? Isn't it your job? No. And I resign from the position 
You see, it's not solely my job as the pastor to feed you day in and day out. You'll starve if it's just left up to me. It's my job to teach you. It's my job to to train you to be self-feeders. How to walk with Jesus, not just on Sundays, not just in a connect group, but in your everyday. Aaron, would you bring out that, that little prop we got? Come on out here, brother. Set that up for me if you would. Pastor Justin, where are you at, bro? You're perfect for this. Come on over here. I want to illustrate this in a, hopefully in a, a way that'll stick to your memory. Go grab us a couple chairs. Aaron, I love Aaron. He called a ministry, young man in life for our church. Great guy. <laughs> this, yeah, this is, this is going to get ugly. All right, put those two chairs if you would. Pastor Justin, have a seat. All right. Aaron, sweetheart, I forgot something. Go on my desk back here if you would. Bottom right, next to my pork rinds, don't you judge me. Uh, there's a spoon, can you go grab that for me? Um, how, how crazy would this be? Could you scoot over a little bit and make room? This table wasn't built for me and you. All right, how crazy would it be if, if Pastor Justin and I, because I really want y'all to get this view too, so let me back up this TV. Pastor Justin and I, we flew out to Nashville, Tennessee, and we started meeting with some of the, the real big leaders in church life, in church growth, in church leadership. And we went to a conference, and here we are, trying to be church leaders, trying to show off, trying to do your thing at conferences. And all of a sudden, we're invited to a steakhouse, because I'll tell you one thing about pastors, when they get together, they eat well, right? Uh, you just, you're not going to go hungry. And they decided to take us and find a steakhouse in Nashville. And so Beasley and I, representatives of, of Connect Church, we decide, you know what's going to happen here? And Aaron, I'm missing one of Bennett's things real too. You know, so we decide, you know what? go out and eat with these guys. We're going to wine and dine them. And we're going to show them how good Connect Church is. 22 weeks old, we got it all figured out, right? And we sit down and we begin to discuss together. Rub elbows. And God's moving in our church. God's doing big things. Connect groups are growing. That's his job. If not, we'd fire him. You know, he's doing great at that. And, and he's loving on people. I'm loving on people. God's just moving in our midst. And then we go to order. Without a question, I'm getting steak. I mean, there's just no question about it, right? At situations like this, I don't even, I don't even eat salads. There, there's no way I'm gonna waste room in my belly with salad and, and, and lawn clippings when I could have steak, right? Well, it walks on the lawn, eats the lawn. So we order, and as the waitress, we say, come on up here if you would. You never waited tables, did you, sweetheart? I did at Cracker Barrel, and it was terrible. I was a terrible waiter. But we order, I order my steak, all of a sudden, things could happen. I'm like, you know what? You ready, guys? Hey, give me one second, if you would. My friend, Pastor Justin here, I've got to get him ready for lunch here. Fellas, just hold on one second before we uh, continue on in our conference here. We're at a fancy steakhouse. And, and before you guys go, before our meal gets here, I need to take care of some business real quick. You see, I got a son. He's about 10 months old at the house. So we got these magical little containers of food, Okay. You know what they taste like? Death. No, death. Um, they're terrible. But, but let's just say at lunch, I said, are you allergic to blueberries or anything? <laughs> Be fun to watch your face swell. Here we go. We're just sitting at lunch. So guys, hey, listen, before we continue on our lunch, I, I got to feed my buddy here. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> and we just, and literally, you know, <laughs> there's a whole container here. Listen, can I ask you a question? 
how awkward's this moment? <laughs> Can we reverse? Yeah, okay. Well, one more, down the hatch, buddy. <laughs> you know, and you do the wipey thing on the chin. Now listen, how ridiculous is this picture? I mean, it just don't make sense, right? You can tell this boy eats steak, right? He, he never made a steak he didn't like. And me too. But here's the problem. This is, gosh, that tastes terrible. <laughs> uh, here's the problem. This is where we find ourselves most of the time in the church. Feed me. Feed me. Feed me. And what happens spiritually, if all we rely on a Sunday morning or a connect group for the access to the word of God, engaging in the word of God, praying, and just feasting on his word, the problem is, is we get this mindset, man, feed me, feed me, feed me. And so when the pastor's not there, the connect group leader's not there, what happens is, is we begin to starve to death. And here's what we live on for the rest of our life, and that is baby food. When here's the truth of the gospel, that as maturing believers, you and I ought to start moving from baby food to the steaks and the potatoes of what God has called us to and knowing him more and loving him more and feasting on him more and more. You want some more? I want to go home. Okay, you want to go? Oh, yeah. Uh, come on. His body's shutting down. There were vegetables in there. Um, his body's shutting down. He only just had to do red meat. But hey, let's give it up for Pastor Justin. Uh, you pull it back. Yeah, thank you. Oh, man. That food really is terrible. I don't know how my, my kids do it. And so here's the question this morning is we ask, and is this all that God has for us when it comes to the Word of God? We understand this reality. The success of the church is not how well Sunday feedings go. Rather, how well the church feeds itself throughout the week. You know, the real success of Connect Church is not how many people we can get in a seat on a Sunday morning. It's how many people are walking with Jesus day by day throughout the week. How many families, how many students, how many children, how many moms and dads, how many singles, how many widows and widowers are walking with Jesus week in and week out. But why? Why is it that you and I would even give time? What's the value in feeding ourselves spiritually? I love this from Adrian Rogers. When the child of God loves the word of God and sees the son of God, he's changed by the spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God because he's found the truth of God. And that's to the very end on why it is so important that you and I learn what it is to self-feed. But how is it that we feed ourselves spiritually? We do so by spending time with Jesus every day. Hear me, church answer, but an answer to which many of us still are asking so many questions and leaving blank in our life. How do we feed ourselves spiritually? We do so by spending time with Jesus in our everyday. I want you to look at a passage in Mark chapter one, verse 35, and watch this context. Now, previous to verse 35, Jesus has some pretty incredible verses. He is healing people. People are literally by the droves bringing sick people to Jesus, and he's healing people. By the way, starting in verse 36 and on, we begin to see that Jesus continues bringing healing to people's bodies and their hearts and their lives. It's an incredible chapter in the life of Jesus. But watch what happened smack dab in the middle of this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and he went to a solitary place and he went to pray. So in the midst of this incredibly crazy scenario, people coming left and right, healing day in and day out, Jesus withdraws. Look at this in Luke chapter 6. Verse 12, 
And on one of those days, just in case you think this is the only instance that Jesus did this, and on one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. And here's what we begin to see in the life of Jesus through the gospels, that time and time again, day in and day out, Jesus would withdraw from what was taking place, even the ministry of God to spend time alone with his father. And here's my question, church. If this was important to the very God in the flesh, to the savior of the world, and he needed time to withdraw, and he needed time alone with his father, here's the question. How much more do you and I need to learn to do the very same? How much time do we need to spend with the father? Hey, listen, life's too busy, isn't it? Life's too crazy. I have four kids, six and under at the house. We just planted a church. I'm a small business guy with my hands in three different businesses. Life is just too busy. It's too crazy. So where do we start? You ready? And if you take a notes, I'd love for you to jot this down. Anthony, where do, I, where do I start in this process of beginning to feed myself? Now listen, last two weeks, We've been in some serious training about where we got the word of God. It's been in-depth study. Today is gonna highlight the very practical nature of where we go with this because at every time, every Sunday we gather together, I'm gonna point you to walking with Jesus in your everyday. But how do we do it and where do we start? And here's the first word, ready? You prioritize. Prioritize. That means you take time with Jesus and you put it above all else in your day that you carve out time for just you and him. You prioritize time with Jesus. Make it more important than any other task in your day and you prioritize it. When life happens, man, the kids are sick, the flu hits the house. Here's what begins to happen. It's such an important part of our everyday life that we begin to move things around and make sure that at some point we withdraw just as Jesus did. As we're learning from the master, we withdraw and we spend time with the father. Have you ever heard the phrase, die trying? Man, Anthony, I want you to I want you to go out there and I want you to, there's Shallow Baptist Church. Brother Justin, you know this church. I love that church. I'm over their lawn. I love the people. I hate that property. It's beautiful, but I'm telling you, it's hilly. It takes this fat boy about four, uh, literally about four hours to weed eat the whole property. And you're walking on hills. By the end of that, I'm just questioning everything in life. It's just a terrible property to mow. But I, listen, I love the people shallow. I just, I hate the property. You know what I kept telling Pastor Glenn about his church? Now, I'm, I'm gonna get that thing weeding. I'll die trying. You know what that means? I'm gonna try really hard. And you know what I believe? When it comes to spending time alone, whether it's called quiet time or a devotional time or Bible study, just your personal time with the Lord every day like Jesus did. You know what I believe? I believe a lot of us die trying. We die trying. And here's the truth of the matter. You and I need to stop trying and we need to start training. We need to stop trying and dying trying and we need to start training ourselves in the very time of withdrawing each and every day to spend time fellowshipping with the Lord in his word and in praying and in fellowship with the Lord. Now, when I was really young, mom, I don't remember how old I was, but the Dairy Queen opened up in Sevier County, life-changing point in my life. Um, Dairy Queen opened, I was 13 or 14, um, and they had job openings, and so I decided I'm gonna do that. You know what I did? I got on my bike, and I rode several miles every single day to the Dairy Queen, and I began to job there. Now listen, the only problem with that came in the fact that that job was a pretty big hindrance 
to my dream of becoming a long-distance runner. Um, just never worked out well after Dairy Queen. Things started out and on. And, but I'll never forget as we, uh, as we began to train for our job, one of the things you had to do is you le- had to learn how to make an ice cream cone with that little curly cue on top. You, you know what I'm saying? McDonald's don't have it. But Dairy Queen has it. And so literally there were pictures and we spent cone after cone filling up that soft serve and then drop clockwise. Did you see that form? Let me do it again. What you do is you drop and then clockwise. And literally I spent hours. Part of that's because you could eat the soft serve after. Anyway, but, but you learn and listen to this day, it doesn't matter where I go. If I'm on a cruise ship, I can do that curly. You know why? Because I train. It was a part of my life. How many guys for a job that you've ever had, you had to train? You had to do some kind of training, right? How about a sport you played? How about a musical instrument you've played? How about a video game, fellas? Had to train to be the best of what you've got. Man, life is absolutely surrounded by, by training. Here's the truth of our faith in Jesus Christ. That when you train, you discipline yourself no matter how you feel, no matter the weather, no matter the situations or circumstances in your life. Training says, I'm going to do this no matter what comes up. You see, a lot of us are dying trying. We need to stop trying. We need to start Training. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 5.3. It says this, in the morning, Lord, this is a great verse. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectingly. You know what we find here from the life of David? That there seems to be a, a morning time where he meets with Jesus, where he cries out to him. He cries out to the Lord. And it says, in the morning, I lay my request before you. So it seems like there's a meeting place between him and God every day where he's just pouring out his heart to God, hoping that God will do something incredible. And watch what happens. And because of that, I wait expectantly, trusting that God's going to show up. God's going to move in his life. That doesn't look like trying to me. This looks like a result of of training. Emily, I see uh, Miss Emily click over here. Her family owns this incredible gym. I've never been there, but I'm working my way. There's a golden crown between. But anyway, every every morning, like at 5.30, it's like 5 or 5.30, her and her husband get with people and they post pictures of them training. And I mean, it's just incredible. You know why? Because it's important for them to get the temple healthy for a whole lot of people. They just train. Hey, hey, Emily, in all this rain, did y'all shut down your place any this past week? Yeah. Do you ever get tired that early in the morning getting up, but you still go, right? Why? Because she's not trying. She's training. And the truth is, is you and I need to stop trying. And we need to start training. It's time for us to have a time and a place where we meet with God expectantly. But I just don't have time, Anthony. I pulled a, a Nielsen report from 2018. They study media use and all those things. And here's what I found. The average person spends four hours a day looking at their cell phone. The average person in here spends four, just looking at the thing. Not just in phone calls, but just looking at your cell phone. The average adult spends 11 hours a day listening to, watching, reading, or generally interacting with media. 11 hours a day. We're on a computer screen or on a phone screen, and we are engaging with media. Do you know what happens with teenagers when you run this study? It gets exponentially worse. Hey, because mom and dad and grandparents, they're learning from us what's important. It gets exponentially worse. And I don't, I don't have the time 
to invest in spending time alone with God every day. I just don't have the time. I love what John Piper says. He says, one of the greatest uses of social media, Twitter and Facebook, will be to prove in the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. I have 11 hours to watch TV, scroll through Facebook, post on Instagram, but I don't have time to withdraw and spend time with you. You know what, you, you wanna learn how to self-feed, we, we prioritize. It's not that we don't have enough time, it's that we just don't value something enough to invest our time into it. And can I just challenge you, church, this morning? Prioritize time with Jesus every day. Here's the second thing, you ready? We go from prioritizing to picking a place. Hey, Aaron, bring those things out here if you would, buddy. I'm gonna illustrate this a little bit with you guys today. You gotta, you gotta pick a place. So once you prioritize, man, where is it that you're gonna meet with God every day? What does it look like in your life? Where is it gonna be in your house or at your office? Where is it gonna look like? Man, you're strong, son. There you go. <laughs> I made him do this. Yeah, bring that other little thing out here. Hey, let me ask you this. Where are you gonna meet with God tomorrow? What does this chair look like in your house? Is it in your bedroom? Is it in your living room? Is this chair in your kitchen? Is it at, is it at your office? But you know what, here's what I want you to do. As we begin to prioritize meeting with God every day in his word and in fellowship and prayer, here's what I need you to do, is I need you to tell me what this chair looks like in your life. Where's the place in which you're gonna meet him with? What's that look like for you and for me? For me, at the house, it's a ginormous chair. I put my feet up, I got a pillow I sit on my lap, and I can spend time with Jesus there. Here in the office, it's in this chair. This is what it looks like when I come to work. I spend time with Jesus. I sit here, I have that little thing that, that Liz bought me. I don't even know what it is, but it's a really cool coffee table thing, wood, metal thing, and I, and I spend time with Jesus right here. I wanna encourage you to pick a place. Look at Matthew chapter six. I love what Jesus says here. So, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so let me ask you, when you go into your room and you close the door, what does this chair look like? And here's what I want you to begin to do. In your mind, start going through the chairs in your house and go, that's my chair. That's where I'm gonna meet with him every single day. Look at Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I'm God. I love this, Pat. Be still and know that I'm God. Where is the place every day where you can be still and know that he's God? Where is that place? Where is that chair? Pick a place. You know, I think of this, that owning a Bible doesn't make you any more a believer than owning a gym membership makes me a bodybuilder, Right? doesn't make you by just owning it. I ran across this story. George Foreman wrote a book, The, the Boxer, George Foreman. Um, he wrote a book um, called God in My Corner. And in this book, he throws out a really cool illustration. Back in 1974, he was fixing to fly out to box Muhammad Ali in a great championship fight. And as he was fixing to pack up all this stuff, one of his buddies took a Bible and threw it in with his luggage and said, hey, take this for good luck. And George Foreman said, sure, man. 
George Foreman would boast that he had a lucky roll of pennies that he would take with him. And he had other lucky charms, not the cereal, but things he would just say is lucky that he would take to fights with him. And so he thought, hey, why not a lucky Bible? So he threw it in his stuff, went over there and he fought Muhammad Ali and he lost. And in his book, George Foreman says, from there on, I took that Bible I thought it was just a book for shepherds because the only verse he said I knew was the Lord is my shepherd. But I always liked luck and I kept it with me. Then I lost that fight. And I threw that Bible away and I never opened it. And here's what he says, George Foreman. I thought the Bible didn't help me win. So why did I need it? I thought I would get power simply from owning it. I didn't realize that I needed to read it and believe what it says. And he said, since then, I've come to understand that the Bible is my roadmap. It's not my good luck charm. Hey, what's this chair look like? Well, what's this chair look like in your life? What is this place where you can go from just owning a Bible to opening a Bible, to reading the Bible, to obeying the Bible? What does this chair look like in your house? We go from prioritizing that time, we're picking a place, and now we are making a plan. What's that plan look like for you? What's your game plan to spending time with Jesus every day? Now, let's say this. Rick Barnes coaches University of Tennessee volunteer men's basketball team, right? They've known some victories this, this year in basketball. And I love watching them play. Even through their defeat, I love watching them play. And here's what I know about Rick Barnes. I don't know much about him, but here's what I know about him. That he just doesn't show up at a game and go, man, I hope everything works out all right. Man, I'm just hoping today everything comes together. He has a game plan for every single team he plays. He goes out with a game plan. They execute the game plan. And more than times than not, man, victory has been theirs. They've known some defeats, but more times than not, what they've known is victory. So the question is, hey, church, what's your game plan to prioritize in time with Jesus every single day? What does this chair look like? And what is the game plan when you meet with him? Here's some things I want to throw there at you, okay? And I'm just going to um, give you some examples from my life. Here's my game plan. You ready? I have a Bible that's easy for me to read. Now, like I said last week, if you open this up and you find a recipe for banana pudding, you're probably not in a good translation, right? Like, you want a Bible, it's the Word of God, but it's an easy enough translation for you to read. Here's my game plan. It's my ESV Bible. Yours may be NIV, KJV, just a version you can read. This is a big old fat Bible. Now listen, why it's fat? This is my preaching Bible because it's really thin and it, it kind of holds open. This is my big old fat Bible, my study Bible, accessible to anybody in this place. And I just love reading this. And I love the notes found in here. So my plan is a Bible I can read. My second plan is a journal and a good pen that I can write with. Hey, by the way, my wife bought me this for Valentine's Day. Hey, can y'all get a, can you come on in on that camera, Jeff, will you? Real close into this beautiful head. Here you go. This pen right, Joey made it. One of our deacons here at the church. My wife got me this for Valentine's Day and I love this thing. Got our colors. It's in the form of a gun, so sorry if that offends you. Uh, it's like a casing of a 50 caliber bullet. I Man, I just feel tough with a pen, right? Never felt manly with a pen, but now I do, right? Um, I love my pen, so I find a good pen that I can write with, and, and I got a journal. It has the Tennessee Vols on it, right? It's not a spiritual journal, pictures of Jesus and lambs walking with lions. It's just a Tennessee journal that I love. I get a good journal and pen, and then I get a notepad. Is this where you write 
your amazing sermons. Thanks for calling them amazing. No, listen. This is because my mind works in such a way that the minute I sit down and start reading the Bible, rabbits start th- running through my mind. Right? Like literally, where's Kelly Kirby at? Hey, Kelly, we got to call Florida and get their ta- a tax exemption for our camp. We have like a month to do that. Kelly works for me as an assistant. I literally would start reading the Bible and think of that. And so what I have a, no- a notepad for is when everything else begins to flood my mind, I have a notepad there and I go, oh, I gotta remember to call Kelly and tell her to follow up with Florida about tax exemption so we can go to camp there for a little bit less and cheaper, right? This is for every rabbit. Everything you might, this is, this is my distraction book so I can get it down and I can get back to the word of God. Hey, what's your, what's your game plan when it comes to meeting with Jesus in your everyday? What do you need there? What's your reading plan? You say, what do you mean a reading plan? I, I'm gonna tell you, this is an okay method for a while, but it doesn't sustain you. Well, I just wonder, up oh, right there. Lo, I have a painful disease in my Lord. You know, there's some things you just don't go to. You go, hey, that's, that's what God's trying to tell me today. You need a plan on how you're gonna read through the word of God. Go to infocc.org. We have Bible reading plans there. We have apps and you version and reading plans that we encourage you to do that help you to engage and have a game plan with the very word of God. I love this quote and uh, really good. You say, if you, well, why is it so important? And I shared this last week, but listen to what Priscilla says. The Bible is the only book where the author is in love with the reader. Do you know I loved coming up with a game plan to read God's word? It's because I know the words that were written were written by somebody who really loves me a lot. Anytime I go to travel, my wife drops some notes or my kids color pictures and they put them in a suitcase. Man, I love it because I know they love me. And the same is true about when you and I read the word of God. Come up with a game plan And here's the last P, and then we're gonna kind of close a little bit different. Pull the trigger. You prioritize, you pick your place, you got a game plan going, and then you gotta pull the trigger every day in your life to stop trying and to start training. We need to learn to self-feed, to read the word ourselves, and to make it an important part of our everyday. I love what the psalmist says here in Psalm 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Here's the anthem of most of the church. I have hidden your word somewhere and I don't know where it is. Let's change that. Let's hide his word in our hearts so that we can learn what it is not to live in a way that's disobedient, so that we can live in a way that says, hey, you know what? My life today, God's gonna honor you. And every word that I speak, every interaction that I have, every place that I go, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you and I can know you more. Pull the trigger on it. Do you know how many Mondays I started a different diet in my life? Y'all ever done that? I'm gonna start on Monday. It's Friday and you gorge yourself until. Start today. You go home today. Prioritize time with him. Maybe take some of the passages we've read, pick a place, get a plan, and pull the trigger. Anthony, I just don't know how to spend time with Jesus personally each day. I just don't know how to do a quiet time or a personal devotion or study my Bible. There's a lot of names and phrases out there for it. So here's what I want us to do in the closing minutes. Let's just do a Bible study together just for a few minutes. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Take out your Bibles if you have one. If you don't, scroll on your phone. <laughs> if 
you don't have a phone, I've got the words up here. This looks exactly like what I do week in and week out. And uh, except for the TV thing, that would be a little overboard. Um, but I have this here for you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to open your Bibles, scroll in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. And let's take just a few minutes. And let me show you. Now listen, my way is not the only way, not the best way. It's just the way you get it done. And I enjoy it, and God speaks to me through it. You ready? So here's what we'll do together. We'll look at first, John. I have a study Bible. Let me tell you what I've not done. I've not gone to all my pastoral resources this week and studied first, John. I've not gone to my software, which is pretty incredible and expensive, to help me study this down. I've personally not engaged in it this week for this passage, like I do every other week for you. Why? Because I need you to know you don't need to have a seminary degree to have time with the Word and with God every day. You need seminary. You need to just be a student of His Word. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at 1 John together. Now, I was reading here in my study Bible. And I love this. I always read, uh, don't skip over the, the pages before a book because it tells you what that book, who, who wrote it, where it came from, and why it came to be. And I love what some of the ESV writers said. It said this, um, that in this book, John urges his readers to refine their theological understanding, to sharpen their ethical rigor, and heighten their devotional intensity. This is they must grow in faith, obedience, and love. Yet the letter is not a list of do's and don'ts. I love that. It is rather a manifesto of done. Jesus' words, it is finished, in John chapter 19, verse 30, come to mind. First John highlights what God the Father has done in sending Christ the Son, offering him up as sacrifice for sins and sending forth the word of life in 1 John 1.1. 1, 1. This is causing this world's darkness to pass away and the true light of the coming age to sun. You see, you know what I begin to see is that this little letter from John, not because I'm a pastor and I have pastoral resources, but just in what's here in this study Bible tells me is that this is encouraging believers to step it up in Jesus. And I need that. And so I would sit down, I'd go to 1 John, and here's what I would open up with in my journal. I'd write down, and just to save us time, I won't write all this down for you now, but I would open up to a blank page, and I've got a page saved for today, February 24th. And I would just start, and I'd go like this. Before I even go into this word, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for all that. And I'd just write out a few lines of just thanking him. I'll tell you, it chokes me up every time I think about how good he's been. Just thank him. And I write it out. You know what helps why I write it out? It's because if I don't, I start thinking about everything else. And it just trains my mind in two different touches. I just thank you for my, I think of my wife. Are you kidding me? I think of my kids. I think of a God who became flesh and died on a cross for me. I just, I sit down and just write out a thank you to him. A thank you letter. And when I'm done with that, I pray, God, I just, would you teach me today? And then I go to his word and I keep this down. And as I go to his word, I go, I need to tell Kelly to call the Florida people. <laughs> we got to get that done this week or we're going to pay a lot of money in Florida tax. Uh, I go start and I read his word. And here's what we find. And take a look at the word with me. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our own eyes, which we've looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life that was made manifest. We've seen it and we testify it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. And there's, and there's the rest of that. Made manifest to us. And I would stop right there and go, John writing here, 
has seen something that has changed his life. You know, I'd stop and do right there. I'd say, thank you, Jesus, for changing my life. Thank you for making all the difference in my life and my world. Thank you that, and I've never seen you. I've seen you work. Though I've never touched you, I've felt you ever since the day you've saved me. And all of a sudden, I take what I've been reading and I turn it into prayer. I turn it into prayer. Can I tell you some of my favorite prayers? It's just praying scripture back to God. Hey, I don't know how to pray. Well, start with his word and pray scripture back to God. And this is what we find as we continue. That which we've seen and heard and proclaimed to you and all these incredible passages. And then I write what, see what John writes. He says, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So you're telling me he's writing a, a letter to believers to me telling me about Jesus so that he can know what it is to have complete joy? Father, would you help me to care so much for other people and their relationship with Jesus that my joy may only be complete when they know you and they found you and they love you. Hey, by the way, I'm not engaging in a show or an acting thing. This is honest, good, bad, and ugly. This is what it looks like. I hop through and I pray. I pray through scripture. It goes like this, you ready? That this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And I would stop and I'd say, Father, thank you that you are the light of the world. That there's no darkness, there's no sin, there's no evil in you. Father, I pray that all I would know is light. And that God, you'd keep darkness far from me. God, I I pray that you'd keep darkness far from my wife and, and from my kids and from my church. Thank you that there's no darkness in you. And if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And you know what I'm doing right here? I'm going to my journal and I'm writing down a prayer. Father, help me to never walk in darkness. Help me, Father, and forgive me when I do. A big word, forgive me. And then I go back and I I start reasoning because while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Father, help me to practice the truth. I go to the next passage and, and I highlighted this on this slide because this is a passage that I would write down in my journal because I would want to memorize this. But if we walk in the light as he in the, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' his son cleanses us from all sin. You know what my prayer is? I stop and I go, are you kidding me, Father? Help me to walk in the light as you are in the light. And thank you for the blood of Jesus that, that cleanses me from all of my sin. And I'll write down this verse of scripture because you know what? I need to go back here this week and I need to be reminded I don't have to walk in darkness because Jesus is in my light. I don't have to walk there because his blood was shed. And then I would continue on and I'll say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And when I read this and I just thought, Father, would you please expose my sin? Anything done in darkness in my life, would you bring it to light? Because it's killing me. Would you, in love, murder the sin in my life? So I don't have to walk in darkness, but I can walk with you. And I may even jot down that prayer. And then I go and we finish out the chapter together. Here's my favorite. First John 1, 9. That if we confess our sins, that word confess in the Greek is homilogy, it's more than just saying, well, I did this wrong. 
It's the idea that we see that sin as God sees that sin. Anthony, that's your seminary prowler. No, it's in my study Bible. If I, if I not just say, I did this wrong, sorry, but if I can begin to see my sin as God sees that sin, watch what happens. That he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know why that's in yellow? Because I would stop and I would write that down. And I would begin to pray, Father, I see this sin in my life as you do. It hurts our relationship. breaks your heart. It's destroying me. So I see it as you see it. And I trust that even in my unfaithfulness that you are faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all. Father, would you make me clean? I feel feel dirty. Would you just make me clean? Would you make me clean? And I I would write out that whole passage because you know what? I need that. I need to hide that word in my heart so I know who and what I have in Jesus. If we say we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not within us. God, forgive me if I've ever tried to make you to be a liar. I want your word in me. I want to deal with my sin. And here's, here's what I do. I've prayed through that. What's taken us almost 10 minutes in the word <laughs> literally takes anywhere between 40 minutes and an hour doing just what I did with you. So you know what happens to my life? When I spend time, you say, Anthony, are you perfect at this? Are you kidding? Some of y'all go in the hospital all day and I'm there all day. Kids got up early, they were late at night and they're bed late at night. I get home and I can't even say my name right. There's some days I do fall asleep and I've not done this. But you know what happens the next day? I get back on it. Why? Because what begins to happen in my life as I go, <laughs> it's not that I'm too busy, I don't have enough time. <laughs> I don't have enough time and all the time that I want to spend here. This moment right now that I'm sharing with you is the greatest moments of my day. Sustain my day. And you know what? I don't know if you've ever had a time like this with Jesus. Prioritize it today. Find this chair, sit in it. Come up with a plan. You know what, maybe for some of y'all, you just need to plant your life in First John. Really good stuff. Take a journal, a notepad, two of them if you're like me and your mind goes different places. Write out some of your prayers. Write out your prayer. Write out the passages. Write out your conversation with him. And spend time with him every day. I promise you this, you will never regret the time you spend with him. But I I will tell you what you will regret, believer. You will always regret not spending enough time with him. Been to many bedsides of people who are dying. You know what they've never said? I wish I'd spent more time on Facebook. I wish I would have spent more time looking at my stocks and I wish I would have spent more time out at the ball field. you know what they've always said? Man, I wish I spent more time with him, my family. You ready, believer? Prioritize. Find a place. What does this chair look like? Have a game plan ready and pull the trigger in your life. Why? 
Why? Because this book contains the promises of God, the plan of salvation, purpose for our lives, the power over sin, the promised presence of his spirit, and a reminder, praise God, that this world is not it, that he has prepared a place for those who love him and those who've been called according to his purpose. And you know what most importantly? This book in time with Jesus every day points us to him. Let's pray together, can we? As our band comes, I just want us to, to pray. Super practical today. But I pray that it's even more than that, but powerful in your life. The belie- hey, to the believer, the, the challenge is simple. As you sit there with Jesus right now, here's what I want you to do in your mind. I want you to go ahead and start prioritizing some time in your every day. You have a conversation with him right now. I want you to begin to pick a place where you're going to meet with him every day. As you begin to picture that in your mind, I want you to come up with a plan. And maybe you go, you know what? I'm just going to continue in 1 John. Five chapters, man, I'm going to go through it this week and spend time with Jesus. Maybe you go to infocc.org and find the reading plans we've thrown up there as a resource for you. But I'm I'm going to come up with a game plan. And then maybe you know what you need to do right now? Set aside the excuses. Man, I don't have a Bible. I'll buy you one. I don't, I don't, hey, lay aside the excuses and let's pull the trigger. So here's my challenge to maybe 250, 300 people in here today. You ready? Here's my challenge to you. For your sake and for the 100 children that are beneath us, pull the trigger today. Make that a part. Now, believers, you're praying. I just wonder this. I wonder if there's somebody in the house who maybe just happened upon us today that would say, Anthony, you know what? You're talking about all of this, and I, I don't even know I know him. Because when I read that book, hey, if that's your story, let me tell you something really incredible. Romans 5a says that God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That in this book, in the very word of God, there's life in Jesus, not just for this moment, but for all of eternity. And here's the beauty of the gospel. No matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, there's a God who created you, who loves you, who desires you, and who can save you right now from your sin and who wants a relationship with you. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.